Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. It is so good to be with you all today. Um, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you personally, my name is Caden, and I get the honor to serve as our young or our youth and young adults pastor here at LFC, which is so much fun. If you've never come and hang out, like hung out with us in the youth room, please come hang out with us because it is a lot of fun, and we play a lot of games. And uh, like Chase said, we have the best game nights I think in all of Lompoc, right? Yeah. Well, um, today Pastor John has asked me to talk about the arrival of joy. Um, and in our Advent series, we have heard from people like Cody Spang, who talked to us about hope. Last week, John, Pastor John gave us a great message on how to receive the love that Jesus brought during this arrival season. And this week, we're looking at joy. Um, and joy is something I think we could all use a little of, right? Amen? And my prayer, my, my prayer for us this morning is that we not only look at the advent of joy, the arrival of joy, but we pray and contend that it's going to arrive in our lives today and in this Christmas season. So today I am so excited to talk about the anticipation of joy because really, I'm going to ask it again, who could use a little bit of joy in their lives? Right? The money is going out the wallets because Christmas presents need to be purchased. I mean, we could all just use a little bit of joy. But I want to convince everybody in this room today that God has offered you a gift. A gift so great that if you receive it, it will produce a great joy in your life that is unshakable. There is a gift that God has given to each and every single one of us, and you may be thinking to yourself already, yes, that gift is Jesus, and yes, you would be right, but what does that mean for us practically? God wants us to receive his gift because it's going to change our lives right now in the present and create an everlasting, unshakable, eternal impact on our life. But I think as I'm writing this message, I, 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 I kept laughing myself and going over a lot of different things that I thought were joy, but it was actually happiness. And I think that's, that's the problem that we can run into when we're seeking our joy, right? Happiness gets in the way. Happiness is that barrier between us finding true and everlasting joy. We can often think that joy and happiness are the same thing, but they're just not. Joy and happiness are not words that you can exchange with each other. Because happiness is an emotion that has to be chased. And I think the founding fathers kind of understood this when they said, every human being has the right for life, liberty, and what? The pursuit of happiness. They never said everybody's going to be happy. They just said, you have the right to pursue it. Because happiness is a chase. We love the game. We love the chase. But it's not consistent. It's not strong. And it's not sustainable. As I was thinking of a way to like perfectly describe happiness, I thought of my dog, Duke. Yeah. That's a purebred good boy. Purebred good boy. Thank you. But this dog is not the smartest dog, but he's a good boy. 
Now, I'm showing you a picture of my dog, but my dog doesn't actually do this. He doesn't run away. But when I was a kid, I had this dog, and every time the front door would open, you know what this dog would do? See ya. Yeah. He was a little miniature husky, and this dog could run for days. But it, this, this, this is what I was thinking. Happiness is that dog that runs out the front door because you may not be happy, but that dog is sure happy, right? He's gone. He's running to the woods. He's running to the water. He's running because he's happy, and he's finally getting that walk that you've been keeping from him. Just kidding. What are you chasing right now? What are you chasing in your life? What is that happiness that you are trying to attain? The thing that if you could just get a hold on in your life, you think to yourself, I would be truly happy. Is it money? If I could just get the specific amount of money, I would be comfortable. Maybe you're chasing a new car. Maybe you're chasing the perfect amount of money to potentially buy a home. Is it money that you're chasing in your life? Is it a relationship? You're thinking to yourself, if I just find that perfect somebody, I think I'll be happy. Maybe it's trying to make your relationships in your life better. If me and my significant other, if me and my wife, if me and my brother, if me and my sister, if we were just better, I think I'd be happier, right? Or maybe you're like some people who just really love to achieve. You love when people see you achieve, you love achieving, it's just the thing that makes you happy in life. You're like, yeah, I'm the best because I'm getting things done and it's looking good, not only for me, but it's looking good to everybody else. Any achievers in the room? Nobody? I mean, at least somebody admit to being achiever, like an overachiever. I'm not, I'm just kidding, I, I do try to achieve. But what is it that would make you happy in your life right now? Think about it for a second. It's not rhetorical. I really want you to think, in your life, what is that thing that you have been chasing? Like the crazy dog running out the front door. What is it you've been chasing? But the hard reality is that the happiness that can come from achieving those things never lasts. It might make you happy for a while. I'm right there with you. There are things that I'm chasing in my life. I would love a new car that could fit the growing family that we are in the process of making. I would love for people to see me as successful. Those things would make me happy, sure, but just for a little bit. Because there's always something else. There's always something else. Because if happiness is an emotion, we know that it won't last forever. Feelings don't last forever, they're fleeting. You're just going to go running off chasing that happiness or a new happiness again. It's never sustainable to continue to chase those things. Because chasing happiness, chasing happiness is like an addiction. Happiness is like a high that you're after. It never sustains you, but you're always continually chasing it. And, and, and I'm going to go into a little bit of my story here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it later, but... When I was about 15 years old, my dad was diagnosed with stage four esophageal cancer. Um, he was misdiagnosed, so, so by the time they actually found out that it was stage four esophageal cancer, he had passed, or it was too late, and he had three months to live by the time they actually found it. Um, and as a kid uh, who was a daddy's boy, whose dad was at every single basketball game, baseball game, 
all those things, I didn't know how to handle it, handle it. So what I did in my life was the thing that would destroy me for quite a long time. I chased whatever I could to not make me feel the pain. I chased whatever I could to, to numb my life so I didn't have to feel the pain that I was going through. And that eventually led to, to partying, and which eventually led to, to a four-year drug addiction. All because I was chasing something that I thought would take the pain away and would make me happy. Now, I want to I be, be clear in this. Not every pursuit of happiness or, or lack of happiness is, is going to look that extreme, but it's all under the same umbrella. It's all a chase. And a lot of people in, in the world will spend their entire lives chasing something, chasing happiness. But I want you to hear that happiness never lasts, but joy lasts forever. Because joy is different. It's not chased, but joy is freely given. We receive it and we take possession of it, and it's almost like a Christmas present. Probably been wondering why that's there. I love... Christmas more so than I used to. I love Christmas because, well, one, my kid makes it a little bit better for me. I used to, <laughs> my wife used to call me the Grinch. Uh, just the Christmas season wasn't my thing. I just, I don't know what it was. I wasn't a fan of Christmas. But now that I have a son, I'm experiencing it in a whole new way through him. Everything's amazing. The lights, the trees, like I put my lights up the day after Thanksgiving this year. Yeah, I was on it. I was doing good. But it got me thinking, have any of you ever gotten a Christmas present that you really just don't like at all? All of us are like, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's been some bad ones. I remember one year when I was in, in elementary school, my dad got the, my mom this huge box. And my mom's so excited. She's just waiting to open this box. And, oh man, it's so bad. This was like the worst Christmas I've ever experienced in my life. And she opens this box thinking it's going to be whatever. I don't know what she asked him for. And it opens up to a smaller box. And you know, I want to know what was in that box? This. A sander. My dad bought my mom a sander because it's what he wanted. And I remember the look on my mom's face that morning, that Christmas morning. We're sitting around the Christmas tree. They got their coffee. We got our hot chocolate. And she's just mad. And she looks at him and she goes, this is a joke, right? And my dad in all of his wisdom goes, no. Now we can do home projects. And she's like, no, you're going to return it and you're going to get me something that I wanted. Or I was thinking, as Courtney and I were, were talking this week, I thought of another gift. At our, at our old church, we used to do this thing called Secret Santa. And every, every, um, every year, two weeks before Christmas, we would get, we would get money and we'd go to the big mall that was, that was next to our church, and, and we would shop for the person that we got a name of, right? And on this, on this list, or sorry, sorry, during this event, you get a list of what the person wants. You can't mess up. You can't. You get the list, you go to the store, you buy the gift, you wrap it, you bring it, and you give it to them, and they're usually 90% of the time happy. <laughs> I'm not going to say the name of who it was, but I got this person, and I thought that I was going to do my best, and this person was going to be so happy. Her friends come up to me. It wasn't Courtney. I'm going to throw that out of the window right now. It wasn't Courtney. 
Her friends come up to me and they go, Caden, don't get anything on her list. We know what she wants. She has a charm bracelet from Pandora, right? Who knows what a charm bracelet is from Pandora? They're like, we know the charm that she wants. I'm like, great. I'm going to get like, this is going to look awesome. This is going to be great. So I go and I buy the charm and we get to the Secret Santa lunch at this amazing restaurant and it was so delicious and, and she goes to open her gift and she opens it and she stares at it and she puts it away and she puts it on the ground. She doesn't say anything. Thinking to myself, oh no. <laughs> she guesses because you have to guess who your Secret Santa is and then she, she guesses it wrong and then... I tell her it was me, and that was it. No thank you, no nothing. And I'm like, oh, man. And she comes up to me, and she goes, why would you get me this? It's a great question. I don't know why. <laughs> it wasn't on your list. I don't know why I got you that. Lo and behold, she doesn't have a charm bracelet from Pandora. Her friends were very wrong. But you know what? I kept it to myself, and I didn't say it was her friend's ideas. But that was probably one of the most awkward moments of my life, because she technically was my boss. Yep. And I'm going to throw myself under the bus one more time here. My wife is really good at telling me what she wants. I am not good at getting her what she wants. <laughs> the first year we were engaged, we had Christmas, and she told me she wanted one thing specific. I don't remember what it was. And uh, that is the problem. That's the problem. So it's like December 22nd. And she goes, did you order what I wanted? And I said, oh, no. <laughs> you want to know what I did? I ran to Target to get stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of random stuff. She opened it. But here's what I'll say. My wife is really good at saying thank you, even though it's clearly not what she wants. But I tell you what, December 26th, she came up to me and she said, don't you ever do this again. <laughs> It's true. That's exactly what you said. But then we also, we also, <laughs> I know, this is going to live on forever. I'm a bad gift giver, people. I am. But then we also get gifts that we really love, right? My wife, last year for Christmas, got me a beautiful pair of Jordan 1s. She did great. I didn't even ask for them. She just got them for me because she's a good gift giver. I'm not. Be like Courtney. Or the mountain bike that I got as a kid, and back when I was a kid, you could ride miles and your parents would never know where you are, but I remember all the memories on this mountain bike that I made with my friends. I absolutely loved it. Or probably one of my favorite gifts of all time was when Guitar Hero came out. Trying to master through the fire and flames on expert level, and I just sit in front of my TV for hours on end trying to, to, to master this game. But what's a gift that you remember getting that was so amazing, so ecstatic? It made you so ecstatic. Most of us are adults in the room, and maybe presents aren't as exciting as they were when we opened them Christmas morning as kids, probably because most of the time now we have a pretty good idea of what we're going to get. But why was it when we were kids these presents were so amazing? Why was it that we just couldn't wait to wake up Christmas morning and run down sit by the tree and open the presents that people got us. It was the anticipation. The anticipation of waiting till Christmas morning 
to rip open these presents and get exactly what you've been wanting, that you've so deeply wanted, something your heart has been desiring. Because as kids, we realized we are unable to give ourselves the gifts that matter most, right? It's not like we're walking around with debit cards as a six-year-old, like, oh, I'm going to go get that. We didn't have that ability to do that. We didn't have jobs. We didn't have any means of attaining the gifts or the presents on our own. We couldn't just go and get them. We had to ask for them. So there was this anticipation that our loved ones were going to get us something that we, that we wanted. And once, maybe twice a year, someone gave you a gift. Somebody gave you the desire of your heart. Something that you wanted so bad, needed so bad. And, and church, hear me on this. This is the essence of Christmas. This is the Christmas story. That the one who loves you most has given you a gift that you could never purchase or earn for yourself. And whether you know it or not, this gift fulfills the deepest desires of your heart. The gift is given, and all we do as the children of God is receive it. And what I love about God, when God gives this gift, he's so excited for us to receive it that he sends angels ahead to announce this great gift that's coming, this good news that is coming And if you have your Bibles, I'd love if you could turn to chapter 2, or it's going to be on the floating Bibles to my left and to my right. And it's Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 21. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom whom his favor rests. This gift that the angel angel announced was so great that just the news of this would cause great joy. And that brings me to my first point this morning is, number one, is the gift of God is Jesus. And I know we're talking about joy today, but I'm not wanting to point you to joy this morning. I'm wanting to point you to Jesus. Jesus. Because joy is a byproduct of the gift of Jesus. We experience joy because of Jesus. They go hand in hand in our walk with Jesus. John 15, 11 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. We were a lost people trapped by the world and its ways, but Jesus came to be with the lonely, to be with the lost be with the broken, the sinner, the leper, the overachiever, the tax collector, and the happiness chasers. I love the scripture says, and the goodness of this news produces great joy. Then, and hear me church, then and now. We don't celebrate Christmas every year because it's just the thing we we're supposed to do. We celebrate Christmas every year because we're anticipating what Jesus is going to do in our lives. 
God's gift was not a present, but a person. And that person was Jesus. God's present was Emmanuel, God with us, his tangible and eternal presence now with us, living in our hearts, freely given. Point number two is this, the presence of Jesus brings joy. The presence of Jesus brings joy. Joy flows from the presence of Jesus. Wherever Jesus is, there is joy. That's a promise that we get to walk in as Christians. The question is, the question that I have for you is, do you trust that? Because our world and our circumstances will try to tell us otherwise. Do we trust that Jesus is always with us, which means that so too joy is always available to us? Do we believe that this gift that God is offering can bring the ultimate joy, the desires of our hearts, a joy that cannot be shaken no matter the situation or circumstances that we are walking through in life, a joy that is with us, church, seriously, no matter what? The psalmist says in Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, you show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Joy is not something we chase. And it never will be. Joy is something, joy is not something that we stumble into randomly every now and then. No, joy, no, sorry, excuse me. No, Jesus is the source of our joy and it's up to us whether we walk in it or not. I told you about what my early years of life looked like after my dad had passed away, but there's a beautiful part of this story is after about four years of drug addiction, um, I remember I woke up one day and I just said, I'm never gonna touch it again. Walked home to my mom's house by a miracle of God, she let me in. And I remember I was sleeping on her couch and I was feeling hopeless, I was feeling lost, and my buddy, my best friend, since we were three years old, I decided to text him even though we had a falling out and I texted him and I said, hey man, do you wanna hang out? Fully expecting him to say no, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. But what he said, you wanna know what he said to me? He said, I serve at an event at the church. Why don't you come and serve it with me? There's free food, so that was a win. <laughs> but that's why churches do free food. Gets people in the doors. Come on, amen. I served at this event with him, and there was an event right after. It was a youth event. And he says, well, I'm not going to drive you home because i got to serve at this youth event. And I'm like, well, why would you invite me? Like, <laughs> now i got to walk home. It was like 20 miles. Um, but I served at this youth event with him. The youth pastor probably shouldn't have let me serve, but he did. Um, me and the youth pastor are still great friends. But he got me in the doors. I didn't believe in Jesus. I hadn't found the salvation in Jesus yet, but he kept inviting me and I kept going. And I remember we were doing worship nights every Sunday in the month of August. And I, I went to the first one and I sat in the very back. So these people are weird. But the next one, I moved a little bit closer. And by the third one, I was in the second row. And I remember the song, No Longer Slaves, came on, and something inside of me changed. And I remember it was in the moment I accepted Jesus into my heart as my Savior. And what happened was I didn't have, like, the ugly cry moment, but I just started laughing. I was filled with so much joy in this moment, and that friend who had invited me into the room saw that joy in my face, and he came over and prayed over me in that moment. The Lord revealed to me in this moment that everything in my life that was going on 
which felt like too much, wasn't going to stop me from the joy that Jesus wanted to offer me in that moment. That thing that I had been chasing in my addiction, that happiness that I was chasing kept, leave, kept leaving me feeling empty, was not actually what my heart desired. I didn't know it then, but I knew it in, in that moment that Jesus was who I needed. Jesus was who my heart desired. Jesus was and is to this day will always be the source of my joy. Because joy is produced when the gift is inside of us. Which brings me to point number three. The joy of Jesus is unshakable. Unshakable. I love this. As I was studying, I was talking to Pastor John about it a little bit. In the Old Testament, joy is is closely related to like a war cry. How cool is that? Am I the only one who was nerding out on that big time when I was doing it? Okay. It's related to a war cry, related to like victory over one's enemies. It's epic. I'm probably the only one who thinks that epic, but I was nerding out over it. But the Hebrew word for this is shara. Now, like everybody do a war cry and say that with me. I'm just kidding. I'm not, chara, chara. Now everybody scream it. I'm just kidding. Don't scream it. But as I was studying and I was going over this message, I started to think of all of those great movie moments, right? Oh, you see where this is going. Some of you already have movies popping into your head, but the first one that popped into my head, and it's the greatest one ever, well, debated, but Avengers Endgame. No Marvel fans in the room. Holy cow. But it's this moment where all the Avengers finally meet in one epic battle between the army of Thanos and Captain America says the bone-chilling line, Avengers, assemble. But that's not the best part. That's not the best part in my opinion. The best part is where big fat Thor comes in and he says, Avengers, assemble. And you want to know what Thor does? Ah! And he charges into battle and he just starts beating people down with Stormbreaker's hammer. Okay, now I'm going to get some people in the room. Ready? Braveheart. There it is. The epic line of William Wallace saying, I fight and you may die. I'm not going to do it in that accent. (laughs) Run and you'll live at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade it all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. freedom. Nine o'clock, wake up. <laughs> Chronicles and Arnie, any C.S. Lewis fans in the room? For Narnia and for... Not a lot of fans in the room. My personal favorite, though, personal favorite. You ready? For Frodo! I love movies, if you can't tell. But it really gave me a new perspective on the word joy. Because in the New Testament, we don't look at it as victory in battle. We look at it as victory and salvation. And how cool is that? That our joy flows from Jesus' victory over sin and death, which gave us our victory in him, which gives us joy. 
If Jesus is joy and he is the everlasting one, our king, the same yesterday, today, and forever, then our joy, church, is unshakable. Now, I'd be lying if I said there's not going to be moments where the enemy tries to convince you that the joy that Jesus has freely given you won't last. That it's not unshakable and you don't really need it to survive. And that you should just keep chasing those things that make you happy. Maybe you'll get them, maybe you won't. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy but church we stand in the hope and the assurance of the end of 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 chapter 8 of nehemiah where it says for the joy of the lord is our strength and that's good news amen the second jesus arrived here on earth as a baby the joy became our strength a joy so powerful that no matter the circumstances we're walking through in life we've been freely given a joy that can't be taken from us because the joy of the lord is our strength and that joy that is our strength is our victory because of jesus But how do we live in and live out the joy of Jesus? I want to give you three simple and practical ways that we can walk in and live out the joy of Jesus. Number one being this, establish the practice of being with God. How do we do that? Through prayer. Find a place, find a plan. Jesus comes where he's invited. And it doesn't matter if it's here on a Sunday morning. He is going to meet us here, but it doesn't matter if it's in your car. It doesn't matter if it's in your bedroom. It doesn't matter if it's when you're walking down the sidewalk. The presence of Jesus is where the presence of Jesus is invited. And the presence of Jesus is where we find joy. Number two, stand firm in the promises of God. Our circumstances are always changing, but the promises of God are always staying the same. And that promise of God is that he will sustain you and he will give you life and life to the fullest. And in that life, joy comes. How do we do that? How do we stand firm in the promises of God? Get in the word. That's where all the promises of God are written down. We have great plans here. We have soap. There's other things like Lectio Divina. And here's a little secret into the inside. You ready? There's a Bible app. And there are thousands of plans on that Bible app for any kind of season that you're walking through. Number three, surround yourself with the people of God. The reason I stayed in the church during my story is because the people of God came around me and they looked at me and they said, I don't judge you for your past, but I'm gonna walk with you because of who you can be in the future. The people of God are meant to come around each other, celebrate each other, help each other, lift each other up, and help bring the joy of Jesus to one another. Amen? Can I pray for us today? Well, Lord, we just thank you that that you would do such a radical thing for us by coming down to earth in the form of a baby and becoming God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. But Lord, I just pray right now in this moment that your joy would overflow in this room. That your joy would bring strength. That your joy would go deep down into our heart and it would become unshakable because it's you who lives in us. And Lord, I pray right now for anybody continually chasing that happiness, Lord, I pray that you would stop them and you would say, look for my joy.
the joy that's free doesn't need to be chased. It doesn't need to be won. It doesn't need to be achieved, Lord, but your joy is freely given to us and it sustains us. Lord, you do more for each and every single one of us than we could ever ask. But Lord, we just pray that in this moment, you would fill us with your joy and that joy would radiate off us as we walk into the streets of Lompoc this week. That people would look at us and say, why are they so happy even though maybe things aren't going well in their life? And you can say to them, it's because of the joy of Jesus in my life. Lord, I pray for that in all of us and all the people of God. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.